For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? oh, ocean schnook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm -hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are, some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in. We got a lot of great content lined up this evening as we do each and every week. I want to remind everybody that Fish Hunt Northwest is presented by Better Homes and Gardens, Pacific Commons Real Estate. Located in Puyallup, Washington, Joe Maxwell and team can get it done for you, so be sure to check them out. Defiance Marine, manufacturers of the Defiance, the Arima, and of course the Allied Series. Check out their sales floor and all they have going on out there. The boats they build, new and used, uh, went in inventory. That's still a bit of a question for some places. Yeah. So the inventory moves quick. Make sure you uh, stay on top of it if you're looking for that next boat. And of course, our good friends over there at Phoenix Protective Corp, phoenixprotectivecorp.com. Always looking to hire quality folks, previous military and police experience. They are a great company to go to work for us to look at what they have available for you. Uh, Tommy, I want to remind everybody they can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, of course, and our YouTube channel. Go to our YouTube channel, subscribe. Doesn't cost you anything. Get you all the access to all our videos and, and content. When it's released, fresh new content weekly. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a give us a helping hand in that regard. Uh, also, Tommy, lots going on at our webpage. Yes, absolutely. Yes, got some blogs and things happening mm -hmm. there, trying to keep updated. New blogs will hopefully be landing there this next week. Uh, check out our webpage, www.fishhuntnw.com, for all the latest and greatest info, and it links you to all our other social medias and our online store, Thomas, with plenty in store for you and many more. Uh, Shing's on top of that, and the inventory is moving quickly, so be sure to get in there and find something that suits you. Um, with that, hey, mister, you are all about the hunt right now, as I actually am with this weather coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, next week is all about my pursuit of blacktail. That's going to be happening, but mm -hmm. you are on the road, if I'm not mistaken. you got some, some, some hunts coming up. What do you got? That's right. You know, so basically we've got um, four different hunts lined up, three different states, 
And, you know, we're going to get into this a little bit later, but we're going to talk a lot about um, the hunting pressure, right, in Washington State. Oh, yeah. And, you know, when I started going out of state, I mean, one of the primary reasons for that was really um, to get away from these short seasons, right? Yeah. And um, to get away from highly pressured animals where you're only seeing them at, you know, the very early morning, like Mm -hmm. the first 15 minutes of shooting light, and then the last 15 minutes of shooting light. Yeah, if you're lucky. I mean, if you look at Washington State, um, and it's no mystery, like, look at the population density that we have throughout the state, right? And just Mm -hmm. because most of the people are situated on the west side of the state, does not prevent them from going over to the east side of the state. Um, you know, so you consider that, and then you look at animal population, and especially looking at elk herds. I mean, we do not have a, a banner elk herd in Washington State when you compare it to states like Colorado, Montana, Wyoming, Idaho. Um, you know, and so when you start to look at that and the pressure, um, I saw pretty quickly in my hunting career that I, I needed to expand. Uh-huh. Now, the other thing is, is, yeah, and I know you're 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 wired the same way I am. You're always looking to learn, right? You're yeah, always you're, the, yep. the goal is constant. Well, we got started late in life in our hunting pursuit, right? So as much information as I can acquire, take in, absorb, mm-hmm. and even if I can utilize that to apply to my next year's hunt, mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing. I'm seeking yep. info all the time. Yep. You know, so so with that, you know that. You know, if you're hunting in Washington State, best case scenario, maybe you got two weeks for your hunt, uh-huh. right? You know, you're forced to pick a particular weapon system, whether it's a rifle, a bow, a mm-hmm. muzzleloader, mm-hmm. and then you're stuck with that, right? And then you've got your little window to hunt. Well, for me, that's not good enough, right? <laughs> no. I, I want to learn at an exponential rate. So in order to do that, you got to go. Well, oh, yeah? if you want to go, you got to go to a different state, right? So part of me kind of branching out, and this year I'm going to be also going to Idaho and Wyoming. Right. You know, part of that is to learn, you know, new territory, animal behavior, habitat, talk with more people, different people, and just really, mm-hmm. um, you know, get get into the hunt and learn more. Um, you know, with, with that said, you know, and we're going to get into this later in the show, but, mm-hmm. you know, my, my uh, name of the game is really – to when it comes to elk specifically is to get away from people right yeah and it's becoming harder and harder because you can't do that here no it, it you can it tough. you can but it is really tough right um and so you know my first my first bull that i shot in washington mm-hmm. that that total round trip to get that bull was 72 miles yeah yeah i mean no short trip yeah um, you know, the great thing is I'm going to be doing the late whitetail buck opener mm-hmm. and that's an awesome hunt. I mean, mm-hmm. that is during the rut Yep. and you know, we're going to get into to deer behavior as well tonight. And, you know, thinking about that, um, they just lose their mind, mm-hmm. right? When that run comes on and there's does flying across, you, you just, you just watch the bucks. Like you, you, you would say, Oh, there's no bucks here. I haven't seen anything. <laughs> the rut kicks in and boom, boom. there's a buck. There's yep. a buck. There's a buck. They come out. Um, so doing that, doing that hunt. And then I got, you know, an elk hunt lined up for Idaho and an elk hunt lined up for Wyoming as well. Mm-hmm. Both, uh, everything is a rifle hunt at, at this point in time for me. Um, and you know, my goal in all of this is get to a point where I'm hunting all Western states for elk Mm -hmm. and then eventually get to a point where I'm also mixing in uh, mule deer into that as well. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty uh, diverse and great opportunity for you this season. You got Mm -hmm. literally hunts October, November, and December. Yep. Correct. Lined up. So you're going to be in and out of studio over the next several months, few Mm -hmm. months, Mm -hmm. uh, getting on the road, taking on these hunts and we will stay in contact with you uh, as much as possible Yep. Where, where service allows to get caught up on Thursdays when you are not here in studio and you're on the road uh, partaking in those hunts. We want to get yep. caught up on how it's going, conditions, 
things that you've learned along the way and just kind of how that whole progression goes. I'm really looking forward to that. Because, um, you know, me, I'm still a little more home-based. Mm-hmm. Next year, I'm going to branch out substantially, I do believe. You know, retirement's on the yep. on the near site here. Um, that's going to that's gonna open up some opportunity to really try to look at some different things. Two guns I know for certain I am buying next year is a 410 shotgun for my turkey hunting because that is just, I mean, that goes without saying. Mm-hmm. And, of course, a muzzle loader. I want to get in a muzzle loader for elk. Now, wait a second. You need a 300 wind mag too, right? Well. You need a large magnum. Maybe the following year. Yeah. Maybe you will talk me into that, yeah. and I will, uh, <laughs> maybe I'll do an out-of-state elk hunt with you next year. Awesome. That right would on. be pretty uh, fantastic to be on the road for a week or two and yes. go try to, try to capture all that. But, Start working out now. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> um, but, you know. I get it, man, and and we'll delve into it a little deeper later on the show. But yeah, the the out of state opportunity, you know, it doesn't seem like we have a whole host of folks from mm-hmm. those other states you mentioned putting in for tags here in no, Washington. No, they're, they're right? not. It no. really doesn't happen unless no. they're trying to just check that off their bucket list as well. Right. There's certain draw right. units here that boast some some pretty substantial bulls yeah. that people put in years and years yeah. and years to acquire, and they may land that. There's been a few folks that we know that have uh, been garnished that tag and they've been successful in their mm-hmm. hunt. And uh, this five by five uh, shed sitting here in the studio, those came from a particular area mm-hmm. in the region that uh, is sought after by many and only hunted by a few each year, right? Yeah, so sure. there are those opportunities in Washington state, but predominantly they seem to anymore be, you know, draw units for sure. Yeah. And so you can get away from people and you can have that opportunity. But, you know, for me, and we'll talk about this a little later in my pursuit of blacktail this year, kind of how I'm changing my game, all public land, some of the things I'm putting in place to work towards my advantage, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah. What I've learned the last five plus years or so in pursuit of blacktail, um, relying on mentors cannot be overstated. I know. That's what I tell everybody. I have I have two elk mentors. Mm-hmm. And they go, what do you, you have a mentor for hunting? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Right? Absolutely. They've come and done yep. it and continue to do it before you and I. They've, they've stumbled. They've succeeded. Mm-hmm. You know, we... Not that we're trying to shorten that curve, but yeah, we would like to find moderate success at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot you can learn on your own. You're going to make mistakes. But having just those conversations, even with you know my buddy Tom Ryle or, or Steve Kramer, both who have been in studio here the last several years, we, we go deep on blacktail. Um, I'm going to share uh, Tom's, one of his, his articles from last year, year before, all about scent and blacktail appropriate scenting and when, mm-hmm. parts one and two. I, you know, I'm excited on that note. I'm excited for you to tell everybody what you do with scent when we get into that segment. We're not talking I, egg I, cure tonight. I think it's going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to blow people's mind what you run. No, nah, I don't think it's so far out the, yeah. <laughs> I think it's too far off base. I think it all depends on how close and personal you want to get up with those uh, with those folks, it Sounds right? like you've gotten pretty personal with it. Uh, you yeah. know, it comes around. So, um, yeah, we are, uh, we're going to delve into that a little later it's just again things that you do you try you find mm-hmm. success maybe you go back the following year and do it if it yeah. doesn't work you kind of like well that was stupid mm-hmm. i probably won't do that again mm-hmm. but hey man i did not grow up hunting and i'm trying to find success i mm-hmm. fully intend on getting a bigger than a spike blacktail this year mm-hmm. that is my goal and uh, i will be successful i've been putting in the work and i feel like that's going to happen Amen. i gotta remember to take my gun with me so all right <laughs> quickly running down the show tonight uh no stranger to this studio in here matter of fact i think i told you once he was our very first guest in studio yeah on that's our right very first show right yes. kyle bushelman been a friend for years fellow potsky brother uh willamette valley outfitters kyle is uh just 
off the Rogue River half pound steelhead, Tommy. It's really a thing. And these aren't just trout. These are truly saltwater bound and returned steelhead for a momentary time and then they head back out to the salt. It's a very interesting story. Rogue River half pound steelhead, it's a thing. And of course, then we'll jump to Oregon Coastal Chinook and Coho. Aaron Peterson, Peterson's Northwest Guide. He's up north, Skagit area. Do you even waterfowl, bro? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Well, you should, and you should do it with Aaron Peterson and crew. We'll show you exactly why. Great guests lined up. Don't go anywhere. Jump out for a quick couple-minute break. When we come back, we will have Kyle Bushelman, Willamette Valley Outfitters, on the phone right here at Fish on Northwest. Sportco, an outdoor emporium, is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. Make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. It's easier than ever to browse homes and connect with an agent on the go with Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate's mobile app. With the app, your home search is synced across all of your devices, so you can pick up your home search anytime, anywhere. Take full advantage of an enriched, mobile-optimized map search experience. Use location services to quickly find homes near you that match your search criteria. Draw your own map boundaries to find homes in a specific area, and apply layers to view school districts, neighborhoods, zip codes, and more. The app's user-friendly design makes it easier than ever to find a home you'll love. Narrow down your search results, save your search criteria, and save your favorite homes. You can browse your saved homes in a list view that puts photos and key details, like price and square footage, right at your fingertips. Or check out your saved homes displayed on the map. Hey, welcome back in studio here at Fish Hunt Northwest, Wayne England, Tommy Donlan. Uh -huh. And uh, hey, Tommy, you know, WDFW is seeking fishing guides for an advisory uh, group. Believe it or not, they're asking guides, professional fishing guides, uh, to serve on a fishing guide advisory committee and provide input on broad fisheries and conservation issues. The fishing guide advisory was created in 2019, and it's to engage the guy, uh, with guides across Washington, increase communications and transparency. So they want their input as they help craft or draft seasons, have input on fishery management and, and things like that. Persons can apply. Um, You'll, you'll serve up to uh, two years in this capacity on this panel. Professional guides throughout the state coming together collectively, working with WDFW. If you're interested, applications are due by 5 p.m. on or by November 5th is the cutoff date. Simply go to wdfw.wa.gov, and that opens up the website. Just go to News. Click on that News tab, Tommy, and it opens up all those articles and you'll find this if you are a professional guide and looking to be involved and have more of a say, this is your opportunity to so take advantage. Speaking of professional guides, uh, Thomas, and persons who do very well in this regard, Kyle Bushelman, longtime buddy and one of my favorites of me and the beard to go fishing with, on the phone with us this evening. How you doing, bud? Doing pretty good. Thank you. Absolutely. So, hey, you just kind of finished up an annual deal you do. You know, it always gets my attention when I see you on social media, that beautiful wood drift boat and hitting the Rogue River. Let's kind of start off there. I know you're you're finishing up in that regard, but uh, that is just a very scenic and great opportunity. What is that fishery all about? What are you going after? 
Well, we're down there fishing for half-pound steelhead. It's kind of unique to a few rivers down south. Um, the Rogue, for sure. And then you get down there to Klamath, from what I understand, the Eel, and a couple others that are down in California. They get these fish that have been out in the ocean for about two months, these steelhead. And then they come back into the river, and they're pretty hungry. And I've asked a lot of old-time guides why they're there why they don't go throughout the whole state and there's a lot of things from food the amount of food down there water temperature just things like that that cause these fish to go back into the river and they're very aggressive and they're they're about 16 inches you know 14 to 16 inches and they fight really hard on a five weight fly rod it's a lot of fun so So, talk talk a little bit about the flies that you're using um you know what's your approach is it you know, dry flies, wet flies, sinking line. What, what does that whole picture look like? Well, I run a five-weight rod, and then uh, there's a lot of different variables, but there's a lot of classic rogue flies, but a prince nymph, you know, a beadhead nymph with rubber legs. A lot of those uh, size eight flies um, work really well down there that are sinking. You know, I, I pretty much run a weight forward floating line with a sink tippet. Um, something that has a, an either an extra fast or a medium fast, depending on the water I'm fishing. So a lot of times those are like four inches a second on the drop, and it's pretty simple. I use you know six pound test on the very end of it, you know. So it's a really simple fishery. You can use two flies or one. I'm, I don't have one fly guy myself. I like to keep it really simple. There's not a lot of casting involved when we're doing this. We're fishing it like plugs for the most part. At least that's the way I do it, and a lot of the guys that fly fish with me do it. We'll kind of strip it downstream of the boat about 30 feet or a little more, depending on the depth, and we just twitch the rod a little bit with that fly out there, fishing tail outs and little runs and stuff like that. And the fish hit really hard. It's a lot of fun. They taste great. So the action's pretty good, and what we do is we start in the wild and scenic portion, which is about, it starts at Graves Creek, which is near Galice, Oregon, and it goes all the way to Foster's Bar, which is just upstream of Agnes. Um, most of us go down to Agnes or down below the Illinois River on these trips because the best half-pound fishing is below Blossom Bar, in my opinion, that Class 4 rapid, that kind of says thank you for getting through the canyon and um, I sent you a video of that rapid and uh, anyway um, that fishing is accessible day floats you can do day floats from Foster's to Hog Eddie and Agnes oh, or okay. down All right. Q Creek there are there are one day options but we're doing a four day option three night trip how do you, how do you do a four day three night trip well I work with a gent, my best friend Aaron Helfrich okay. um, at Helfrich, helfrich.com and um, what he does, he gets the bookings, and we stay at the lodges. There's a handful of lodges on the wild and scenic section, uh-huh. and we stay at Black Bar Lodge. We can stay at Mario Lodge, Paradise Lodge. There's Half Moon Lodge, and we stay at Lucas Lodge or Singing Springs, which are a handful of lodges down there that are spread out accordingly. Mm-hmm. And they're really nice accommodations, feed you. There is a camping option for those who want to do it but it is permit driven until the end of october so you need a permit to access that and then well you always need a permit but um they're kind of they can be kind of hard to come by but later in the year october 
there are leftovers and you can pretty much see mm. if you can get them and get on the river most time. Um, you mentioned class four rapid. I mean, the scenic section of that rogue river is historically known for some pretty, pretty tight squeezes there getting through the boulders and whatnot. You're in that yeah. classic wood drift boat, buddy. I mean, aren't most guys doing that stuff in rafts or, you know, what's, what's, what's your driver behind, uh, sticking with the old Woody? Prestige. Attaboy. It's nice. It's I tra- love it. It's traditional. It's a beautiful um, boat. I like it and it yeah. rows great. I mean, I've done it in aluminum drift boat. Most of the guides that I work with are in aluminum, but there are a couple guides that still use wood. A couple, a couple people in the Helfrich family use it. And there's some guys that recreational fish done that I see in a wood boat here and there. But most people do aluminum, and it's not because of Blossom. There's a, a mean rapid called Coffee Pot in Mule Canyon that is not kind to drift boats. Coffee Pot, and, okay. Yep, and there's a few others, too. That river's sprinkled with a bunch of Class 3s, and you end it with a good Class 4 at Blossom. And, you know, our last trip, there was a raft stuck in the rocks. and That's the video you sent me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, and Aaron, Aaron went through first, and because I, I went up to see if we can get through, and then I came through, and then me and him rode out there and helped tie some ropes and get it moved over the boulder, and we drifted over and helped these people right that boat up, and they floated out. So yeah, it's always something on the river there. It's well, yeah, in, in that environment for sure. Um, so if folks <laughs> want to look into that, possibly even next year, take advantage of that opportunity in October. Who do they get a hold of, or where do they go? They with my good friend Aaron Helfrich at helfrich.com. It's easy to find. He's got a great website. Helfrich.com. Um, yep. Okay. Yep. Well, and uh, then, um, it's great. They're great trips, and there's a few options he can work with you on and stuff like that. But the fly fishing's really good. Yeah. I mean, for those who want to have some action on a fly rod, it is a great. It's a great break from salmon fish. And you and can keep five, start. right? You keep five. Yeah, you can nice. five a day, and they they taste really good. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. We eat them. Well, you are uh, you are in transition, buddy. Uh, you yeah. are pretty much done with that. But you know, having just come from there and the beautiful scenery and stuff, I wanted to make sure folks were aware of this other option that you partake in in the summertime. So yeah. now, looking forward, it's uh, coastal Chinook and Coho time for you. Lower estuary waters and moving up. Let's let's start down the estuary waters on some of these uh, creeks that you're fishing. Uh, that start today, or what's what? When's your program get cranked up here? Well, I was I've been on the estuaries on the coast since September. Okay. I like and all through September. I take a little break in October to do the rogue, but now that I'm finished with my rogue season, I'm back in the estuary. And today I think was our last day in the lower tide water. Mm-hmm. It started raining a lot and we're gonna have rain for the next five, six days, which is kinda good news. We're ready to go upstream and in the upper part of the trip coastal tributaries and fish for them now. Um, which means back bouncing, plugs, bobber and eggs, you know, kind of taking all the egg harvest you've had through the years and putting them to work. So it's kind of <laughs> a good way to finish off the fall. You know, it's a good, you know, some drift boat work. So I'll be going to the drift boat Monday based on the weather. I was going to work this weekend, but um, I think I'm going to let the weather, the wind and rain kind of come, and then we'll be ready to hit it with it simmers down just a little bit yeah yeah and so when you're fishing that upper river portion what is your what is your go-to rig like what are you starting off the day with well we're using floats and eggs and sand shrimp um you know like you know like Dwayne, we all got our secret little recipes with our eggs but that's kind of the guide's game you know who's 
everybody's happy about their bait and that's what makes you successful on the river. Oh, yeah. and I'm pretty happy about mine. You, you know? do well, so, you do well. Yeah, I, I just want to let you know though. Um, Dwayne's is not a secret. Okay. I know. He, I know. He, he puts, <laughs> he puts it out there about every other week. He, uh-huh. wants, he wants people to know exactly you know how he's gearing eggs. Mine's not a secret either. Nope. There's just little subtleties to presentation. I mean, just because you, everybody can use a bobber, you still got to present it in the right areas. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to have a good base cure. I think that's the mm-hmm. thing that Dwayne and I both have is a good base cure that we can adapt on the fly. Because mm-hmm. sometimes these fish want a hot bait, sometimes they want a sweet bait. Sometimes, yeah, exactly. you know, they want just a shrimp. Or, yeah, but I'm not telling anybody that trick. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, we won't say a word. Yeah. So. No. <laughs> Uh, so, Hey, we, we are nearing, you know, third week here, or we're in the third week of October. We'll move to the end of October. Is this Chinook run on a couple of these coastal rivers just getting started? And, uh, if so, you know, what's the outlook? How, how long will you be in pursuit of Chinook and talk a little bit about the opportunity for retention on some of these rivers? Yeah, right now um, we, we have a two fish, a two uh, Chinook limit. Coho ended on some of these on the 15th. They, they, Oregon did give us a retention of wild coho on a couple streams, but oh. that ended the 15th. Um, so it's now just a Chinook game, oh. and uh, most of the coastal rivers are going to still be at two Chinook per person 20 a year. Now, right now is what we would claim it should be peak. We haven't had rain, so a lot of these fish have been held up for a long time, mm-hmm. or they've snuck up river and they've been holding. A lot of them are pretty dark. Not all of them, but there's a good portion of them. But this rain, there's a lot of fish that are still coming. And I'll be fishing it until about Mm mid-November. And then I head south to the Elk and Sixes. That's kind of our last little ditch that some of us do, and I'll move south. And that's a pretty famous little fishery for us Oregonians that go down south. And we'll beat around the weather. And what's neat about there is there's no rain gauge. There's no nothing. You have to have a good sense of weather in the rivers to make that work and it's that goes into early december so i mean theoretically i'll be chasing chinook until first part of december and then i'll take a break from steelhead but until steelhead but right now till mid-november on these central oregon coastal streams for me is it uh is it pretty much bobber and bait most of the time do you pull some plugs once in a while kyle yeah i'll back bounce and Mm -hmm. pull plugs um depends on the what what the weather's if we get some higher flows we'll put the plugs in, um, yeah. and um and back bouncers in there and but we really can't the, we need a leaf flush first the leaves need to flush oh, yeah. forever before uh, we I start hear doing some of that so plugs <laughs> yep. are going to be kind of the way to go for now yeah yeah i get it leaves and uh, plugs not a good mixture right just a pain in the no. ass all day long so um hey you got any openings coming up through the rest of october or in throughout november folks can get a hold of you and book one of these great chinook opportunities or even as you head south then yeah. to finish out your season yep i just have people get a hold of me at willamette valley outfitters.com or find me on facebook at willamette valley outfitters they can do that and uh, i have openings here and there i i, I kind of book as i go i yeah, think yeah. it's a little reckless to book too far in advance because then you'll be canceling on everybody it's gotcha. just the way it works with the weather so we kind of book as we go a couple weeks out at a time generally because you can get a good idea what the weather does but 
we can always get people lined out one way or the other. So, Sure. Sounds good. We, uh, they can look to get a hold of you. We've been putting your phone number up or www.willamettevalleyoutfitters.com. And, of course, they can find you on Facebook and social media and whatnot. So um, anything else to add to that? No, man, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, buddy. We'll be in touch. I may have to uh, yeah. pay you a visit. Come on down and catch some of those dark Chinook. <laughs> we will, or we got the winter steelhead coming up. Yeah, soon, so well, you know, you know, the beard and I will be down there for that because our steelhead season is going to be a bit questionable. So I think yeah. multiple trips to Oregon this year is definitely on the docket. So, all right, buddy, always a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time this evening. Take care. Yeah, take care. Bye. All right, see you. Kyle Bushel and Tommy, one of my favorites. Yep. Just a really fun guy to fish with, man. He's so laid back and relaxed. You know, formerly he was a firefighter. He was a lieutenant in the fire service for a number of years, did a career change uh, at some point because of cutbacks and whatever mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. kind of downsizing of their organization. And he found himself like, well, I'm either going to be an outfitter and a guide or because he does uh, outfitting hunting-wise as well, sheep mm-hmm. hunts. I mean, it's pretty diverse in what he yeah. covers. Great I'm, I'm glad he made that decision, especially now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, all right, Kyle Bushelman, look him up if you're not familiar. He is a great one to be out there on the water with, and he will ensure you a fantastic day. Going to jump out, switch a little gears, Tommy, when we come back. We're going to jump right into some waterfowl conversation. Our buddy Aaron Peterson is up there in Skagit, Skagit Valley area going after snow geese and, of course, uh, ducks of all different varieties. Uh, does extremely well up there. Do I dare say opening day was a bloodbath? Well, we're going to show you. Don't go anywhere. A couple minutes, we'll bounce back here in studio with Aaron Peterson on the phone right here at Fish Hunt Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride right here in Bremerton, Washington. Arima Boats offers all of our boats with Honda outboard packages so that you can take full advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. With literally thousands of Arima boats on the water throughout the Pacific Northwest, Arima boats are a proven hull design that offers incredible fuel economy and all of the amenities that a serious angler is looking for. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why we back our boats with a lifetime warranty. All of our Arima boats are designed to maximize deck space while also providing ample seating. Contact us today at Arima Boats for all your boating needs and let us help you get out on the water. Today, the need for quality private security services is at an all-time high. Contract Security Service provides day-to-day peace of mind as they protect people and property. Here at Phoenix, we provide service for multiple state and federal contracts with services ranging from uniform, patrol, alarm monitoring, canine detection, executive protection, as well as investigative work. Phoenix client management models are built on understanding our client's security needs and responding with a tailored program that is best fit for them. Phoenix provides excellent customer service through well-trained, highly motivated security professionals. Recruiting highly qualified officers is the first step in building a strong team. Currently, we are comprised of 70% prior law enforcement and military veterans. If you are prior military or law enforcement, go to www.phoenixprotectivecorps.com and apply today.
Hey, welcome back in studio here. Fish on Northwest, Dwayne England, Tommy Donlin. Mm. This is Waterfell Opportunities, What You Need to Know, presented by Better Homes and Gardens, Tommy. And on the phone with us, our good buddy, Aaron Peterson, Peterson's Northwest Guide, www.petersonsnorthwest.com. Uh, a whole lot of going on with him this time of year, and he's just getting started, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. Aaron, how you doing tonight, bud? Thanks for getting on the phone with us. I know you're tired. It's probably been uh, a couple grinding days, but we're so glad you're here. Hey, thanks for having me. No, that's, we're doing good. We're, yeah, yeah. So, hey, man, yeah. it is officially waterfowl season. We have this stent. It will have a few days of closure and then open wide up, back open for the duration of the season. But I just want to focus right now on that opening day. I had some buddies that were hunting with you that I'm very, uh, very familiar with. It looked like a freaking bloodbath on them snow geese. How'd that day go for you? Well, honestly, that was not our plan A. Oh, really? Uh, no, I mean, there's, I have not seen this many geese down this early. I mean, this is, this is one for the record books for the okay. amount of birds that are down. Yeah. And I was following some Northern packs around and following some feeds and flight lines. And they were acting pretty different for the beginning of the year without being shot at and had kind of a play on them and went back down South on some Southern birds and, they were nonstop. I mean, the traffic lane, the fields, everything was lining up. So it's like, eh, I think plan B is going to happen. And it did. Yeah. I think you called it, um, spot on (laughs) looking looking at the massive pile of birds that you have there. So, well, I got to ask if that was plan B, what was plan A? Well, I was honestly plan A was, even more birds that we were going to set up on. I was just worried, honestly, more about the public, uh, just getting short stopped because of the sky busters and having too many spreads set up on this one area. So I was a little nervous, honestly. And so with watching the flight on the Southern pack and having them hop into one of our fields a few times and then just nonstop over the field. I mean, there was no lull in the flight for days. So I was like, ah, without being decoyed or shot at this is our play so so you kind of you kind of mentioned that uh you know as tommy just alluded to plan b and that um you were surprised to see that number of birds did you would you say that there are far more birds earlier than you're accustomed to and do you think i mean what would be the reason for that is there just going to be more birds year in and year out does this does this continue to grow at a rather large rate, or is this just kind of an anomaly? Um, that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of factors in that. Yes, this is the most birds I've seen down this early in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the things that can attest to that is, so if you read and try to study on some of the Wrangell Island hatch, it seems like some of these Russian biologists are saying spring came early, spring came early. Oh conditions were good and i was like "Mm, okay so maybe they'll be up five percent who knows and i guess they had fires and a whole bunch of crap up there so they said their helicopter studies were down this year i mean believe what you want reason you know i'm not haven't been to russia recently (laughs) but um (laughs) they're they're saying that the the conditions were absolutely ideal Mm. on wrangle so that's obviously you know a huge thing for that hatch and then another possibility that we always talk about, you know, were there big windstorms? Did it get cold early? Did it force them out of there? You know, that that tends to, we always think that 
you know, the, the earlier the weather turns to crap, those birds want to get down south. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think those are all major factors in why this season is showing so many birds so soon. So I got, I got to ask you. So every time I see these snow goose pictures and I look like in the back of your picture and I see this, you know, beautiful plush field and then it is just absolutely peppered with decoys. Mm-hmm. But when I look at that, I just see dollar signs everywhere. Like, is there a barrier to entry <laughs> into this sport? I mean, talk yeah. about the setup a little bit and how mm-hmm. you get going on these. Well, you definitely start in the red. Waterfowling is not just uh, yeah. Yeah. You're definitely not throwing gear on a boat and going down and looking for a fish. I mean, you're trying to find fields, lease them up. You're buying all these snow geese, you know, these bags, these decoys. You're paying guides, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I mean, it takes, I mean, you got to be aggressive. You got to, you got to have a good spread. You got to have it set up in the right way with the wind and you got to have your flyers positioned and yeah, it's kind of go big or go home in my opinion. Mm-hmm. How many decoys are there? Uh, I think we were right around 1900, 2100 on opening day. We're set up. Uh huh. Yeah. How many guys you got no uh, working tired. with you this year again? How many guys you got helping you get we, out in the dark and headlamps and put those out? We got three guys. Okay. Peterson's Northwest guide. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know, sometimes it changes. Sometimes there's two guys out there. Right. Doing it and then some, some days it's like, you know, I am really exhausted and you're going to bring your buddy and you're going to bring your buddy and they're going to work. <laughs> It'd be a little different yeah. if WDFW or Washington State rules would allow you to leave decoys out overnight. But that's not the game, man. That's not what we can do. So, you know, the work starts at 2 in the morning or 1 or whatever time you get up. Yeah. You get up at midnight. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Uh, yeah, my alarm went off at 1 a.m. Okay, perfect. And now it's, now it's starting to get a little more, you know, that 2 o'clock, mm-hmm. 1.45. Mm-hmm. but. Wow. It's early. Based on daylight. Um, you know, when Tommy and I sit here and look at these pictures, there is a pile of snow goose, or snow geese on most of these photos. Talk about number of hunters on any particular outing and what's the what's the limit on snow geese? Yeah, well there's let's talk about the state and that kind of stuff right now. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a positive is, conversation. <laughs> well, I will control myself. Okay. <laughs> okay. They they decided to go to ten snows. Oh. Obviously they want they want it taken care of. They want the population to, to try to get controlled. So they went from six to ten snow geese this mm-hmm. season. Mm-hmm. That to me is not the proper way to address the snow mm-hmm. goose situation when there's people all over the Midwest using e-callers and rotaries. Mm. So if they want the snow geese handled, yeah, why don't they start doing some other things instead of, oh, you can kill a few more. Mm. It's just, it, in my opinion, it's a little fast backwards and I, I, I don't know. I mean, e-callers, you know, really loud speakers that make snow goose calls and rotaries arms with flyers on that are rotating mechanically electronic instead of wind driven if they want stuff killed then they're going to allow that i mean 10 birds is 10 birds whatever you're using right sure uh, yeah what's right? the matter electronics don't use electronics you want yeah. 10 birds shot they're going to get shot this way a little bit yeah yeah no yeah. it's a valid point it's like help us help you right yeah. you, well you, it just you, goes back to aluminox and yeah. mechanical broadheads and motorized decoys for yep, ducks and for ducks yeah 
Well, yeah. and, and speaking of that, before we jump into the discussion on ducks, I find it interesting as I'm listening to you, the redrafting of this um, uh, limit amount now bumped to 10. So I correlate that with when's the last time I saw a snow goose eating on an, an anadromous smolt. So we have all these smolt eaters, and we've been asking for years for them to bump our limits on our duck opportunity. Help, let us help you minimize the populations of mergansers and cormorants by simply yeah. giving us a limit of, say, 10, of which they can all be mergansers, cormorants, or three in our, in our bag limit or whatever, but it doesn't go against you in your seven birds that you would choose to want to retain. In other words, nobody's going out shooting mergansers and cormorants and taking them home, putting them on the table for Thanksgiving, right? It's not happening. Um, how, why is it with snow geese, they all of a sudden make a decision to say, hey, let's kill 10, and we just can't move the needle in regards to help and preserve fish by eliminating some of these birds with hunters. Right. I don't get it. Well, they're more worried about crops and fields and birds moving, oh, moving yeah. this farther south and decimating this or well, east, the tundra or whatever they say. East, too. I'll be very curious when we start tying in with our buddies over there out of Potholes and Shelby, yeah. Ross and those guys, how yeah. if they're seeing a huge influx of birds this season as well, that'll be very interesting. Um, hey, moving there on. snows down in eastern Washington. I have already been told that. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, you're not just up there hunting snow geese. And how many days a week are you hunting snow geese before we jump out of that? Yeah, we, we hop around three to four hunts a week on snows right now. Okay. All right. The uh, the mallard hunting up there can be flat out amazing. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, especially in those fields. Uh, just I've never seen fields polluted with so many mallards in one location. Talk a little bit about the mallard setup, kind of what you look for, how many days a week you're out, opportunity to hunt some of them big, fatty mallards eating all that corn up there. Uh, well, we typically, uh, we run pretty hard the first half of the season on primarily snows. And, uh, it, it, you know, you start taking those juvies out of the population. They start seeing spreads every day for two months and shot at. They start getting smart. Yeah. Weather starts changing, gets into that windier, crappier weather, and we turn into that migration for the ducks, the widgeon, the pintails, and start going more on the ducks the second half of the season. So, you, I mean, you've obviously had already a great run on the snows. What is What does that outlook look like? What does the outlook look like for that duck run? Honestly, the more I look into it and the more I read about it, it everything's it's shaping up to be a really good year, even mm. – including the weather they're saying this weather you're supposed to be a crappy wet windy winter oh, i mean yeah. this is the best weather i've already seen to start a season two it seems yeah. like i mean 10 to 15 every day and kind of rainy i'll, I'll take it to start in right. october yeah. yeah yeah so you looked into the numbers on the flyway and uh, as far as as it relates to waterfowl indoor ducks looks like we got a pretty good push of ducks coming down through the season yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a good season awesome. we get the weather we get I mean, this, this late season, this December, January should be really good for everybody. Well, we are coming up and hunting with you this year. We talk about we a year in and year out. It. And, uh, yeah, we're going to spend a couple of days up there in the valley. One day it would be nice to jump in with you, get some footage of your operation, and uh, kind of showcase it here on the on the show. So that would be fantastic. And we're going to send Jordan up at uh, 1 a.m. to help with the decoy setup. Yeah. He needs to drive yeah. up there and set up, set yep. up socks. I agree. He? Yes. Huh? Yep. Yeah, I agree. I'm all for it. Then he can come back home and go to work, and then next day he can go back up, set up deeks, and yep. Just, just, just help rinse, it, repeat. Just help Aaron out a little bit. You know, he yeah. deserves Bring that. Bring your headlamp. 
Bring yeah. your headlamp. Well, he looks like Junior Duck Commander with that beard, so he's good to go. Yeah, he's right? already playing the role. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Well, uh, folks can look you up at www.petersonsnorthwest.com. We've been posting your phone number up here, and they can always track you down on Facebook, social media, what have you. Anywhere else you want them to get a hold of you? Uh, no, that's fine. Okay. Website, website has a good contact info, yeah. and social media is always good. Perfect. All right, buddy, we'll go get some sleep. you got to set that alarm for 1 a.m. Yep. Yeah. All right, guys. All right. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Have See you. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Great guy, Aaron Peterson. I mean, whether it's pursuit of his waterfowl operation, which I think he started about four years ago and just has absolutely He's killing, been it. killing it, man. Oh, my God. Yeah, the first conversation I had with him in the light of they set up 1,000 to 1,500 to 2,000 decoys, yeah. depending if they're doing multiple fields now. I've done that decoy spread thing on snow geese, you know, pull a huge duffel bag full of sock puppets on sticks, mm-hmm. and you're just basically putting out the spread and wind direction, like he said, and and uh, they blow up, and there you go, right? So you yeah. get there but, needs to be an automated system for that, you know. There's got to be an easier way to do it, where you know you you roll out a, a blanket across the field, you pull a string, and they all pop up simultaneously, oh. having something like you look know, at the engineer like, brain, like a, you know, I can like see a the bailer, propeller on top of your head you spinning know, you, right now. You take the lawnmower; it's got yeah. you know, you know, they like have, an aerator, just puts them in the ground, right? You just drive through the field. I mean, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. Yeah, this manual labor is bullcrap, right? We can't be doing that. Who wants to do that to start your day out? All right, good stuff with both. Kyle Bushelman and Aaron Peterson, fantastic individuals in their own right and ones we like to stay in contact with because they are so good at what they do. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and of course our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram, and finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.